0: chapter 22 part 2 of fox's book of martyrs volume 2 this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by jason justice fox's book of martyrs volume 2 by john fox edited by william byron forbush chapter 22 the beginnings of american foreign missions part 2 the following morning the royal treasurer prince Wadi. Chief Woon, and Kung Ton Musa, who was in future our steady friend, attended by forty or fifty followers, came to take possession of all we had. I treated them civilly, gave them chairs to sit on, tea and sweetmeats for their refreshment, and justice obliges me to say that they conducted the business of confiscation with more regard to my feelings than I should have thought possible for Burmese officers to exhibit. The three officers, with one of the royal secretaries, alone entered the house. Their attendants were ordered to remain outside. They saw that I was deeply affected, and apologized for what they were about to do, by saying that it was painful for them to take possession of property not their own, but they were compelled thus to do by order of the king. Where is your silver, gold, and jewels? said the royal treasurer. I have no gold or jewels, but here is a key to the trunk which contains the silver. Do with it as you please the trunk was produced, and the silver weighed. This money, said I, was collected in America by the disciples of Christ, and sent here for the purpose of building a kyung the name of a priest dwelling, and for our support while teaching the religion of Christ. Is it suitable that you should take it? The Burmans are averse to taking what is offered in a religious point of view, which was the cause of my making the inquiry. We will state this circumstance to the king, said one of them, and perhaps he will restore it but this is all the silver you have i could not tell a falsehood the house is in your possession i replied search for yourselves have you not deposited silver with some person of your acquaintance my acquaintances are all in prison with whom should i deposit silver they next ordered my trunk and drawers to be examined the secretary only was allowed to accompany me in this search everything nice or curious which met his view was presented to the officers for their decision whether it should be taken or retained. I begged they would not take our wearing apparel, as it would be disgraceful to take clothes partly worn into the possession of His Majesty, and to us they were of unspeakable value. They assented, and took a list only, and did the same with books, medicines, etc. My little work-table and rocking-chair, presents from my beloved brother, I rescued from their grasp, Partly by artifice, and partly through their ignorance. They left also many articles, which were of inestimable value during our long imprisonment. As soon as they had finished their search and departed, I hastened to the queen's brother to hear what had been the fate of my petition, when, alas! all my hopes were dashed by his wife's coolly saying, I stated your case to the queen, but her majesty replied, The teachers will not die, let them remain as they are my expectations had been so excited that this sentence was like a thunderbolt to my feelings for the truth at one glance assured me that if the queen refused assistance who would dare to intercede for me with a heavy heart i departed and on my way home attempted to enter the prison gate to communicate the sad tidings to your brother but was harshly refused admittance and for the ten days following notwithstanding my daily efforts i was not allowed to enter we attempted to communicate by writing, and after being successful for a few days, it was discovered. The poor fellow who carried the communications was beaten and put in the stocks, and the circumstance cost me about ten dollars, besides two or three days of agony, for fear of the consequences. The officers who had taken possession of our property presented it to his majesty, saying, Judson is a true teacher. We found nothing in his house but what belongs to priests. In addition to his money, There is an immense number of books, medicines, trunks of wearing apparel, of which we have only taken a list. Shall we take them, or let them remain? Let them remain, said the king, and put his property by itself, where it shall be restored to him again if he is found innocent. This was an allusion to the idea of his being a spy. For two or three months following, I was subject to continual harassments, partly through my ignorance of police management, and partly through the insatiable desire of every petty officer to enrich himself through our misfortunes. You, my dear brother, who know my strong attachment to my friends, and how much pleasure I have hitherto experienced from retrospect, can judge from the above circumstances how intense were my sufferings. But the point, the acme of my distresses, consisted in the awful uncertainty of our final fate, My prevailing opinion was that my husband would suffer violent death, and that I should, of course, become a slave, and languish out a miserable though short existence in the tyrannic hands of some unfeeling monster. But the consolations of religion in these trying circumstances were neither few nor small. It taught me to look beyond this world, to that rest, that peaceful, happy rest where Jesus reigns and oppression never enters. Some months after your brother's imprisonment I was permitted to make a little bamboo room in the prison enclosures, where he could be much by himself, and where I was sometimes allowed to spend two or three hours. It so happened that the two months he occupied this place was the coldest part of the year, when he would have suffered much in the open shed he had previously occupied. After the birth of your little niece, I was unable to visit the prison, and the governor as before and found I had lost considerable influence previously gained, for she was not so forward to hear my petitions when any difficulty occurred, as she formerly had been. When Maria was nearly two months old, her father one morning sent me word that he and all the white prisoners were put into the inner prison in five pairs of fetters each, that his little room had been torn down, and his mat, pillow, etc. had been taken by the jailers this was to me a dreadful shock as i thought at once it was only a prelude to greater evils the situation of the prisoners was now distressing beyond description it was at the commencement of the hot season there were above a hundred prisoners shut up in one room without a breath of air excepting from the cracks in the boards i sometimes obtained permission to go to the door for five minutes when my heart sickened at the wretchedness exhibited the white prisoners from incessant perspiration and loss of appetite looked more like the dead than the living i made daily applications to the governor offering him money which he refused but all that i gained was permission for the foreigners to eat their food outside and this continued but a short time after continuing in the inner prison for more than a month your brother was taken with a fever i felt assured he would not live long unless removed from that noisome place to effect this and in order to be near the prison i removed from our house and put up a small bamboo room in the governor's enclosure which was nearly opposite the prison gate here i incessantly begged the governor to give me an order to take mr j out of the large prison and place him in a more comfortable situation and the old man being worn out with my entreaties at length gave me the order in an official form and also gave orders to the head jailer to allow me to go in and out at all times of the day to administer medicines i now felt happy indeed and mr j instantly removed into a little bamboo hovel so low that neither of us could stand upright but a palace in comparison with the place he had left removal of the prisoners to ung pen la mrs judson follows them notwithstanding the order the governor had given for my admittance into prison it was with the greatest difficulty that i could persuade the under jailer to open the gate i used to carry mr j's food myself for the sake of getting in and would then remain an hour or two unless driven out we had been in this comfortable situation but two or three days when one morning having carried in mr judson's breakfast which in consequence of fever he was unable to take I remained longer than usual, when the governor, in great haste, sent for me. I promised him to return as soon as I had ascertained the governor's will, he being much alarmed at this unusual message. I was very agreeably disappointed when the governor informed that he only wished to consult me about his watch, and seemed unusually pleasant and conversable. I found afterwards that his only object was to detain me until the dreadful scene about to take place in the prison was over for when I left him to go to my room, one of the servants came running, and with a ghastly countenance informed me that all the white prisoners were carried away. I would not believe the report, but instantly went back to the governor, who said he had just heard of it, but did not wish to tell me. I hastily ran into the street, hoping to get a glimpse of them before they were out of sight, but in this was disappointed. I ran first into one street, and then to another, inquiring of all I met, but none would answer me. At length an old woman told me the white prisoners had gone towards the little river, for they were to be carried to Amarapura. I then ran to the banks of the little river, about half a mile, but I saw them not, and concluded that the old woman had deceived me. Some of the friends of the foreigners went to the place of execution, but found them not. I then returned to the governor to try to discover the cause of their removal, and the probability of their future fate the old man assured me that he was ignorant of the intention of government to remove the foreigners until that morning that since i went out he had learned that the prisoners had been sent to Amarapura, but for what purpose he knew not i will send off a man immediately said he to see what is to be done with them you can do nothing more for your husband continued he take care of yourself never before had i suffered so much from fear in traversing the streets of ava the last words from the governor take care of yourself made me suspect that there was some design with which I was unacquainted. I saw, also, he was afraid to have me go into the streets, and advised me to wait until dark, when he would send me in a cart and a man to open the gates. I took two or three trunks of the most valuable articles, together with the medicine chest, to deposit in the house of the governor, and after committing the house and the premises to our faithful Mung Ing and a Bengali servant, who continued with us, though we were unable to pay his wages, I took leave as i then thought probable of our house in ava forever the day was dreadfully hot but we obtained a covered boat in which we were tolerably comfortable until within two miles of the government house i then procured a cart but the violent motion together with the dreadful heat and dust made me almost distracted but what was my disappointment on my arriving at the court house to find that the prisoners had been sent on two hours before and that I must go in that uncomfortable mode four miles further, with little Maria in my arms, whom I held all the way from Ava. The cartman refused to go any further, and after waiting an hour in the burning sun I procured another, and set off for that never-to-be-forgotten place, Unpen-la. I obtained a guide from the governor, and was conducted directly to the prison-yard. But what a scene of wretchedness was presented to my view! The prison was an old, shattered building, without a roof. The fence was entirely destroyed. Eight or ten Burmese were on top of the building, trying to make something like a shelter with the leaves, while under a little low protection outside of the prison sat the foreigners, chained together two and two, almost dead with suffering and fatigue. The first words of your brother were, Why have you come? I hoped you would not follow, for you cannot live here it was now dark i had no refreshment for the suffering prisoners or for myself as i had expected to procure all that was necessary at the market in Amarapura, and i had no shelter for the night i asked one of the jailers if i might put up a little bamboo house near the prisoners he said no it was not customary i then begged he would procure me a shelter for the night when on the morrow i could find some place to live in he took me to his house in which there was only two small rooms, one in which he and his family lived, the other which was then half full of grain, he offered to me. And in that filthy little place I spent the next six months of wretchedness. I procured some half-boiled water, instead of my tea, and, worn out with fatigue, laid myself down on a mat, spread over the paddy, and endeavored to obtain a little refreshment from sleep. THE NEXT MORNING YOUR BROTHER GAVE ME THE FOLLOWING ACCOUNT OF THE BRUTAL TREATMENT HE HAD RECEIVED ON BEING TAKEN OUT OF PRISON. AS SOON AS I HAD GONE OUT, AT THE CALL OF THE GOVERNOR, ONE OF THE jailers RUSHED INTO MR. Jay's LITTLE ROOM, ROUGHLY SEIZED HIM BY THE ARM, PULLED HIM OUT, STRIPPED OFF ALL HIS CLOTHES, EXCEPTING SHIRT AND pantaloons, TOOK HIS SHOES, HAT, AND ALL HIS BEDDING, TORE OFF HIS CHAINS, TIED A ROPE ROUND HIS WAIST, DRAGGED HIM TO THE COURTHOUSE WHERE THE OTHER PRISONERS HAD PREVIOUSLY BEEN TAKEN. They were then tied two and two, and delivered into the hands of Lamine Moon, who went on before them on horseback, while his slaves drove the prisoners, one of the slaves holding the rope, which connected two of them together. It was in May, one of the hottest months in the year, and eleven o'clock in the day, so that the sun was intolerable indeed. They had proceeded only half a mile, when your brother's feet became blistered, and so great was his agony, even at this early period that as they were crossing the little river he longed to throw himself into the water to be free from misery but the sin attached to such an act alone prevented they had then eight miles to walk the sand and gravel were like burning coals to the feet of the prisoners which soon became perfectly destitute of skin and in this wretched state they were goaded on by their unfeeling drivers mr j s debilitated state in consequence of the fever and having taken no food that morning rendered him less capable of bearing such hardships than the other prisoners. When about half-way on their journey, as they stopped for water, your brother begged the Lamine wound to allow him to ride his horse a mile or two, as he could proceed no farther in that dreadful state. But a scornful, malignant look was all the reply that was made. He then requested Captain Laird, who was tied with him, and who was a strong healthy man to allow him to take hold of his shoulder as he was fast sinking this the kind-hearted man granted for a mile or two but then found the additional burden insupportable just at that period mr gouger's bengali servant came up to them and seeing the distresses of your brother took off his head-dress which was made of cloth tore it in two gave half to his master and half to mr judson which he instantly wrapped round his wounded feet. As they were not allowed to rest for even a moment, the servant then offered his shoulder to Mr. J., and was almost carried by him the remainder of the way. The Lamine wound, seeing the distressing state of the prisoners, and that one of their number was dead, concluded they should go no farther that night. Otherwise, they would have been driven on until they reached Ung La the same day. An old shed was appointed for their abode during the night, but without even a mat or pillow, or anything to cover them. The curiosity of the Lamine Wound's wife induced her to make a visit to the prisoners, whose wretchedness considerably excited her compassion, and she ordered some fruit, sugar, and tamarinds for their refreshment. And the next morning rice was prepared for them, and, as poor as it was, it was refreshing to the prisoners, who had been almost destitute of food the day before. Carts were also provided for their conveyance, as none of them were able to walk. All this time, the foreigners were entirely ignorant of what was to become of them, and when they arrived at Ung Pen La and saw the dilapidated state of the prison, they immediately, all as one, concluded that they were there to be burned, agreeably to the report which had previously been in circulation at Ava. They all endeavored to prepare themselves for the awful scene anticipated, and it was not until they saw preparations making for repairing the prison that they had the least doubt that a cruel lingering death awaited them. My arrival was an hour or two after this. The next morning I arose and endeavored to find something like food, but there was no market and nothing to be procured. One of Dr. Price's friends, however, brought some cold rice and vegetable curry from Amarapura which together with a cup of tea from mr Lonzago, answered for the breakfast of the prisoners and for dinner we made a curry of dried salt fish which a servant of mr gouger had brought all the money i could command in the world i had brought with me secreted about my person so you may judge what our prospects were in case the war should continue long but our heavenly father was better to us than our fears for notwithstanding the constant extortions of the jailers during the whole six months we were at ung pen la and the frequent straits to which we were brought we never really suffered for the want of money though frequently for want of provisions which were not procurable here at this place my personal bodily sufferings commenced while your brother was confined in the city prison i had been allowed to remain in our house in which i had many conveniences left and my my health continued good beyond all expectations But now I had not a single article of convenience, not even a chair or seat of any kind, excepting a bamboo floor. The very morning after my arrival, Mary Hasseltine was taken with the smallpox the natural way. She, though very young, was the only assistant I had in taking care of little Maria. But she now required all the time I could spare from Mr. Judson, whose fever still continued in prison, and whose feet were so dreadfully mangled that for several days he was unable to move. I knew not what to do, for I could procure no assistance from the neighborhood, or medicine for the sufferers, but was all day long going backwards and forwards from the house to the prison with little Maria in my arms. Sometimes I was greatly relieved by leaving her for an hour, when asleep, by the side of her father, while I returned to the house to look after Mary, whose fever ran so high as to produce delirium. She was so completely covered with the smallpox that there was no distinction in the pustules and she was in the same little room with myself, I knew Maria would take it. I therefore inoculated her from another child, before Mary's had arrived at such a state to be infectious. At the same time, I inoculated Abby and the jailer's children, who all had it so lightly as hardly to interrupt their play. But the inoculation in the arm of my poor little Maria did not take. She caught it of Mary, and had it the natural way. She was then only three months and a half old, and had been a most healthy child, but it was above three months before she perfectly recovered from the effects of this dreadful disorder. You will recollect that I never had the smallpox, but was vaccinated previously to leaving America. In consequence of being for so long a time constantly exposed, I had nearly a hundred pustules formed, though no previous symptoms of fever, etc. The jailer's children, having had the smallpox so lightly in consequence of inoculation, my fame was spread all over the village, and every child, young and old, who had not previously had it was brought for inoculation. And although I knew nothing about the disorder or the mode of treating it, I inoculated them all with a needle and told them to take care of their diet, all the instructions I could give them. Mr. Judson's health was gradually restored, and he found himself much more comfortably suited than when in the city prison. End of chapter twenty two, part two. Recording by Jason Justice.